This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. The Internet and how it works was the big topic of conversation at the Supreme Court yesterday. The justices heard arguments on whether the likes of Facebook, Twitter and Google can be held liable for content posted by users. Here's Justice Kagan laying out one of the central questions in the case. And let's say one of the challenges the court faces. Every other industry has to internalize the costs of misconduct. Why is it that the tech industry gets a pass? A little bit unclear. On the other hand, I mean, we're a court. We really don't know about these things. You know, these are not like the nine greatest experts on the Internet. (laughs) The case in question is called Gonzalez versus Google. And here to tell us about what it is and why it's so important is Washington Post tech reporter Garrett DeVink. Welcome back to Reset, Garrett. Hello. So first of all, can you explain the basics of the case? Yeah, definitely. So Section 230, to sort of take it way back, is a law from 1996 that essentially allows Internet companies, you know, to not be sued for stuff that other people post. So if you and I go online on Facebook and we post something defamatory about our greatest enemy, uh, you know, we might be sued for that. But Facebook itself wouldn't be part of that lawsuit because the law is supposed to protect them. And the whole idea is when message boards and forums were really getting started in the mid 90s, people were suing those message boards for things that other people were posting that they didn't like. And so the Congress decided to, to enact this law really to sort of allow the Internet to develop because they realized that if these nascent Internet companies were just flooded with lawsuits, they wouldn't take off. And maybe the U.S. would sort of lose the battle to build the biggest and greatest Internet companies. Now, Mm. obviously, the U.S. has won that battle now, 25 years later, and people are revisiting Section 230, asking, do we still need this very broad protection for these companies that are now some of the most powerful corporate entities in all of history? So how did things play out during uh, oral arguments yesterday? So this specific case that went before the Supreme Court was about whether when a social media company uses a recommendation algorithm, so when you go on YouTube and YouTube, you know, judging on all the previous videos you've watched, chooses a video to say, hey, you should watch this next. They were asking whether that action is part or should also be protected under Section 230. So what the plaintiffs, which, uh, you know, is a a family that lost their daughter in a terrorist attack in 2015. They were suing YouTube saying by recommending terrorist content and terrorist propaganda, they were aiding terrorism, which, you know, essentially led to their daughter's death. And so they, they made that argument. And what was really the case here is that this allowed Section 230 to sort of be in front of the Supreme Court in a very high profile way for the first time in a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. And so listening to the oral arguments, you know, it didn't really even focus that much on the algorithms and the facts of this specific case, but it allowed the justices to ask questions and to, you know, share their own thoughts uh, about the law, their own wrestling with it. And my takeaway is that the justices are, you know, they understand that this law is very foundational, that it's also triggers a lot of emotion, that a lot of people have widely different opinions about whether it should exist, mm-hmm. how it should be interpreted, whether we should tweak it in some ways or get rid of it all altogether. And so I think it was an interesting engagement um, that the justices had. And my main takeaway, I would say, is that, you know, they seem nervous uh, to really step in and wade into this issue and rip apart this law. They, they mm. talked a lot about some of those consequences. Now, we have to be careful to 
sometimes they play devil's advocate. And of course, they might sound like they're going in a certain direction with their argument. And then when the actual decision comes down weeks or months later, it's completely different. And, and, and we're surprised. But, you know, I think some of the experts that I was talking to, some of my colleagues that follow these cases very, very closely, their feeling after the oral arguments yesterday is that the court is probably leaning towards kicking this back to Congress and saying, look, we don't want to wait in here. This is obviously a very explosive issue. We think that this is up to the legislature to change if the American people want it to change at all. Right. And I want to help our, our listeners fully wrap their minds around this, Garrett. As you mentioned, one of the reasons that there's so much focus on this case is the fact that a decision here could have major ramifications for Internet law, right, and, and a big impact on what companies and regular people like you and me can do when we're online. Score this for us. Why is this such a big deal? Yeah, so it, it, it kind of depends who you ask. So if you look at what the tech companies are saying, they say, you know, without this law, we won't be able to do anything. What we'll essentially do is we'll just take off every, we won't let anything on our platforms that could even be mildly uh, concerning or offensive because we are just going to have to deal with a flood of lawsuits because, you know, something that you might think is great to post online, another person might find really objectionable. And if they can sort of trigger, uh, target the companies for that, the companies will just become very, very conservative and all we'll see online are, you know, puppies and sunshine and rainbows. Um, you know, some people who's, who are critical of the law, you know, people come from different sides, right? So um, some people look at what happened during COVID where, you know, I'm sure many of us have family members or know people who refuse to take the vaccine. And when you ask them, why do you feel that way? Where did you get those ideas? A lot of them will say, well, I was reading on social media, it's dangerous, et cetera, et cetera. And so people want to hold these tech companies accountable for some of the misinformation or some of the racism or harassment that happens on their platforms. A lot of people's experience on social media is not positive. They are targeted for their race. They're targeted for their gender. They're targeted for their gender orient, uh, for their sexual orientation. And so some people want to have, you know, stricter rules where these companies are actually liable for that. Um, but if you talk to people maybe more on the conservative end of the spectrum, they feel that the tech companies censor them and take down, um, you know, their opinions. And so they want to get rid of Section 230 because what the law also does is allows companies to take things down mm -hmm. without getting sued. And so everyone has a strong opinion about this and it's difficult to really, you know, you have to kind of like lean into one argument or the other to imagine a world without 230. For some people, it might be exactly what they want. For other people, it might mean that the internet as we know it just goes away. And also that individual users might be, um, you know, more liable for things that, that, that we say online as well. If we retweet something, you know, is that us endorsing something, can we then be sued for that as well? Crystal ball moment here, Garrett. What, what can you tell us about how the justices might rule here? Yeah, I think, like I said, I, I think the justices, you know, they, uh, some people will criticize them for not being tech savvy. You play that great right. uh, Elena Kagan quote, but I do think that they are approaching this thoughtfully. I think that they, you know, there was over 70 submissions from various different groups, from internet freedom organizations, from hate speech uh, or anti-hate speech groups. Uh, you know, a lot of politicians made submissions in this case. So a lot of people have, have shared their opinions with the court. And I think the court is digesting all of those things. And, you know, I, I think it is most likely at this point, based on the limited information that we have, just based on the oral arguments and the questions that they ask, that they might say, look, 
you know, we are not going to take a giant stand and really change this law. We are going to have to send this back to Congress. And then if we look at Congress, they have not been able to change this law, even though most people in Congress want to change it. And that's largely because Democrats and Republicans they say they don't like this law, but the, they want to change it in radically different ways. As I sort, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, uh, to to that point, right? Congress not having the power to require companies to take down a, a tweet or a, a Facebook post is is this something that we only see in the U.S.? Are we the only country struggling with this? I mean, it's a great question, and I think one that really gets overlooked. So, Section two hundred and thirty is a U.S. law. Obviously, other countries approach it differently. It's actually interesting. Some of you know. America's closest allies, when America does trade deals with them, they actually force those countries as part of the terms of the trade deals to essentially enact their own version of Section 230. So countries like Canada, um, you know, to the objection of many Canadians, actually have laws that are very, very similar to Section 230 in order to be able to do uh, these important trade deals with America, which obviously is a much more powerful and economically important con- uh, country for those other countries. But, you know, in other countries, there are consequences. Um, Companies uh, in Germany, for example, it's illegal to post certain hate symbols that are associated with the Nazi party. And so for years, the tech companies have worked hard to take some of that stuff down. Now, of course, it does still show up. And it's not like the companies get sued into oblivion in those countries. But Mm -hmm. you might also think that, you know, America is maybe a more litigious um, country society in and of itself. And so maybe the concerns about getting rid of this law leading to lots of lawsuits are valid. So yeah. there are definitely a few different ways to approach liability for tech companies online. Um, but the U.S. is probably you know, a unique case. What was the initial idea behind Section 230? Like back in the early Internet days, I wonder if lawmakers thought that the Internet could be what it turned out to be, this beast yeah, I mean, it, it, it sort of came up. There was a bit of a historical, I, I wouldn't say debate, but, you know, different views of, of what happened. I mean, 25 years in the Internet was, you know, centuries ago, um, you know, right. even though most of us were obviously already Wild. around in yes. 1996. Um, we were kids or teens, you know. Exactly. And, you know, already experimenting with the Internet, you know, uh, you know, using like early forums, chat groups, um, you know, early video games that were online. And. So I think I think smart people back then did imagine where this was going. I think people who were in technology, who understood it, who were reading about it, knew that this was going to be huge. And so I don't think that the law was, you know, signed or or enacted with the thinking that, oh, this is just something that doesn't really matter. It's off to the side. I think Mm -hmm. the authors of this law understood the gravity of it. And I think it was to sort of say, like, you know, the internet is new. It's different. There's obviously comparisons, but it, the ability for regular people to connect, the ability for regular people to broadcast their ideas and their messages out to hundreds of thousands or millions or billions of other people is new. It is something that wasn't really available in human history, right? Printing presses, the radio, TV stations, they were more centrally controlled and it was difficult for regular people to get their ideas out there. And so I think the authors of the law really wanted to protect this, this industry and sort of create this carve out knowing that it was a different thing. It's different than a newspaper. That was sort of the way that these authors of the law thought about it. Um, But of course, it's difficult now because these companies are so big. And I think it's very common sense to think, well, Google, Facebook, maybe they should have some more responsibility because 
they make so much money. Mm -hmm. Um, They have all of our data. We live our lives on them in many ways. You know, would we be able to get to work without Google Maps? Would we be able to communicate with our friends and family without Facebook, without Gmail? It it would become a lot more difficult. And they've really reaped the benefits from that position. And this law allowed them to grow that big. And now they say, well, we still need the law to be able to continue doing what we're doing. But they're not little scrappy startups anymore. You know, they employ hundreds of thousands of people and they have a lot of political influence. They are the biggest lobbyists in Washington. Mm -hmm. And so it's definitely a different environment. um, And that's why I think these questions are so important. Well, before I let you go, remind us, when do we expect an opinion in this case? Um, I'm not sure exactly. I, I have to admit, I'm not a Supreme Court reporter, so I'm sort of you know jumping in because I, I write about Google and tech. But I, I do think in the next few months we'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll see what happens. There's also another similar case being argued today, and the Supreme Court will also be taking up a case from Florida where the Florida government passed a law requiring the tech or, or sort of banning the tech companies from taking down politicians, even if they break their rules. And so. There are a few cases regarding Section 230 that, um, you know, I do think it's likely maybe the court will say, you know, we, really, we don't really want to wade into this one. But yeah. on the other hand, the court did agree to, to take these cases, right? They could have said, we, we're not even going to think about it. We're not even going to put it on our docket. And so there is definitely some interest from the court in understanding and having their say on these laws. We just don't know exactly what that's going to look like yet. Garrett DeFink is a tech reporter covering Google algorithms and ransomware for The Washington Post. Thank you so much, Garrett.